listening to this week's message from Freedom Church. For more info on Freedom, visit freedomdl.com. Thanks for listening. Well, hey, I'm glad you're here this morning. We are starting a brand new series uh, this week. Um, I know the Grow Up series was awesome for a lot of people. We are probably going to revisit Grow Up at some other point, um, uh, maybe uh, towards the end of the year, maybe the beginning of next year. It, it may be one of those series that we kind of do every year, at least hit it. Uh, about spiritual maturity, um, but we've also seen a lot of, of new faces and stuff like that, and so um, we might be hitting some of our core values again, because our core values are, are, they're not just important to us, they should be important to you as a Christian, because there are ways that can help you get into deeper spiritual maturity, which all of us should be wanting that. That's the whole point of these moments right here, where, where I'm preaching, it's not just because I think I have something that you need to hear. It's designed so that you can listen to something, you can hear the word unpacked, and then you can go home and think through what you just heard and apply it to your life to actually see some real change. Okay, so if everything you hear today goes in one ear and out the other, it's of no benefit to you. It's of no benefit to me. But, but if we will do what James says and not just hear the word, but do the word, that's when we begin to see change happen in our lives. Okay? And it also might mean that you have to submit to another person in your life telling you how the cow chews the corn, okay? The Word of God is 100% the thing that's going to change your life the most, no doubt about it. But some of y'all, and I'm not going to look at anybody, I'm going to look at the wall, some of y'all need somebody to buttress themselves up against you so hard that you can't even think about going backwards. Okay? Some of y'all need people to be able to call you in the middle of the week and say, hey, I saw what you posted on Facebook, and I'm here to check you in the Holy Ghost right now. I'm serious. I saw a meme this week that said, you know you're fitting to get, um, you're fitting to get checked by some white folk if, you, if they say, now let me tell you something, buddy. It's funny because it's true. Look here, buddy. It's, I, I laughed and laughed a lot. But seriously, guys, sometimes you need to be checked. You need to be checked. Okay? And, and I'm not talking about mean and rude and... I can't believe you've done that. No, I'm uh, with a spirit of love and grace. And that's a part of what grow up was about, was to check us a little bit. It's a part of what all God is about. Um, in February, Monique and I went to a conference in Florida at Next Level Church. Next Level is, um, is a church in Florida that has an organization called Next Level Relational Network. And it's a group of about 1,100, 1,200 pastors from the United States and Canada and basically what we are is just a relational network. So if we need help, if we need encouragement, if we need to be built up, we have a group of people we can go to. A lot of pastors don't have that. In fact, if you go and poll the pastors in this town right now, I guarantee, because I've done this, I know, these guys don't have somebody they can lean on when times are getting tough. And so one of the things that we've done at, at Freedom is we've done everything we can to make sure that we are a support system for pastors in our own community. And, and we've been that. And, and I want them to, to do the same for me whenever I struggle, but a lot of pastors don't have that. Well, I have that with Next Level Relational Network. Right now on my phone, I could text 13 different, excuse me, 15 different people right now in a text message, and I could have instant encouragement, prayer, and support from these pastors. That's what this organization is. So in February, there's the Lead Pastors Only Conference, and it means just the lead pastors from all these churches represented. In October, we have the conference that any, anybody can come to, like you can bring your staff and all that kind of stuff. But, um, but this year, in February, they had John Bevere there. Anybody know John Bevere? Okay, he's incredible, okay? 
Um, so imagine 150 people in an auditorium getting to pick the brain of the guy that wrote Undercover and Beta Satan. And he's written a brand new book here called The Awe of God. If you don't have this book, I'm telling you, you need to go get it. Okay, you really need to get it. You need to dive into it. Um, by the way, his wife, Lisa, spoke at that event too. Easily the top three best sermons I've ever heard in my whole life. She was incredible. So anything you get your hands on from Lisa Bevere, I highly encourage you to do that. Um, I mean, well, I'm talking like, John was getting up that night to speak, and we're like, can, can, you, can you put your wife back up on the thing? You know, like, she was really good. Um, anyway, he just finished this book, and he was speaking to us about this content, and... Um, I I wish I could describe how it felt in that sanctuary while he was talking about this, while he was preaching on this. Um, As the kids say, we were all shook. Um, I wanted to, um, if I'm honest with you, I wanted to just go get on my knees in front of the altar and just like beat my chest and rip my shirt and pour ashes on my head. I wanted, I was, I was broken in half in that moment. And, And it's not like, it's not like Bevere, did such a great message that we were all just, you know, ripped to pieces. Um, I realized in that moment that I wasn't really walking in the fear of God. Okay? Now, I, I have moments where I do. But man, I have plenty of moments where I don't. Okay, just open the chest cavity a little bit to you if I can. Because I'm not perfect either. Okay? Oh, you're the preacher. Yeah, I'm the preacher. I'm a sheep too. Chill out, you know? And it's like I realize that there are moments where I'm really walking in the fear of God, and there are moments when I'm like, no, I I do not fear him. Now, most of you, I say the word fear, and you're like, I don't even know what that means, bro. So, like, I know you were shook, whatever, but I don't don't know what that means. That doesn't mean anything to me, okay? Uh, The problem, though, is I saw how in modern American Christianity, We've made faith all about love and acceptance and beauty and forgiveness. And we've made God into something he's not. Now listen, I'm not saying that he doesn't do all of those things, okay? I'm not saying that. But we've conveniently ignored the magnanimous nature of who he is. He isn't some fluffy, fluffy and oblivious sky daddy. I've heard people in college actually call God sky daddy. Trying to take a test, and somebody goes, Sky Daddy, can you help me? No, he's not going to help you, mainly because you just call him Sky Daddy. (laughs) Guys, this is this is the one who said, Let there be light. This is the one who caused millennial kingdoms to be crushed at the wave of his hand. This is the one who thundered from the mountain and caused the, the earth to quake. Like we don't, we don't compre- we can't comprehend the, the craziness of this. And one of the things I've seen on TikTok here recently is people have put into AI what would the pillar of fire look like? Yo, like it's terrifying. What would it look like if we were at the mountain of God? I- imagine this. Like, come on, we can't really comprehend this. But imagine you're you're three or four million people strong circling this giant mountain. And, and God won't even let you touch the mountain lest you die. Now, my first question is like, oh, gosh, where does the mountain start? Like, where? that's my first question. But not only that, think about standing at the edge of that mountain and looking up to the heights and a giant hurricane-sized tornado is swirling around the top of that thing, lightning flashing, red smoke and magma flying out everywhere. And then you hear a voice. 
Come on, man. We're trying to hear God in our head. And I keep telling you, he's not Morgan Freeman. They heard God thundering from the top of a mountain to the point where it scared them to death. Sky Daddy. This is the one who burns with anger at sin. Yeah, the stuff you did this week, it created rage inside of God. Not for you, but for the sin. But we don't like this version. We want the lovey-dovey God that makes us feel better about ourselves. We've made virtues from the things we like and ignored the things we don't. So what is a virtue? A virtue is the highest form of morality and right. That's what a virtue is. And since humans were created, mankind has been searching for that virtue, that, that key, essentially, to everything that can make sense of this loving yet magnanimous God. So what if I told you that key existed? What if I told you it existed? What if I told you of a hidden virtue that in essence is the key to all of life? Listen to some of the benefits of this. It unlocks the purpose of your existence. It attracts the presence, protection, and providence of your creator. It's the root of all noble character, the foundation of all happiness, and provides needed adjustments in all inharmonious circumstances that you might face. And to firmly embrace this virtue will lengthen your life, procure good health, ensure success and safety, eliminate lack, and guarantee a noble legacy. Well, well, fiddlesticks, I'll take two. You know what I mean? Like, if it does all of that, might sound too good to be true, but these promises were written by the wisest man to ever live. Okay? They were written, it's in the Bible. This is in the Bible. He wrote them under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So let me give you a brief account of this specific person. Let's see if you can guess who it is. As a child, he was trained and embraced this virtue, growing strong and noble character and developed keen insight. He quickly excelled in leadership and eventually became the ruler of millions and millions of people. He possessed astounding wisdom and very little was difficult for him to understand. He wrote thousands of sayings and hundreds of songs. This man, was, uh, he achieved success and fortune that is yet to be matched in this world. Kings, queens, and people of influence would travel great distances just to be in his presence, to hear his insights, and to witness the excellency of his team and all they built and accomplished under his leadership. But here's what happened. As time passed, what happened was he turned away from what was fueling those achievements. Okay? Very much like we experience here in America right now. A nation founded on the idea that you could worship God in the way that you choose, all of a sudden now has blown up into some godless society. He became wise in his own eyes and deemed it no longer necessary to heed the wisdom of his virtue. And let me just pause right here and just tell you that whenever things are good, listen to me, and money's flowing, and business is great, and you think you have a handle on everything. And the family's doing okay. We're not perfect, but everybody makes mistakes. And you think all is right in the world, that's when you start forgetting God. We find it so hard to pray in success. But my Lord, let one thing happen, and you call it every prayer warrior you got. One little test come back from the doctor that scares you, and you got everybody in Jesus praying for you. Listen to me. When things are good, that's when you need to lean into the Lord the most. 
No, I need him when I'm, when I'm hurting and broken. <laughs> You're always hurting and broken. But, but whenever you are in what you consider success, uh, I'm going to reference a, a message that I did back before, but I did a message um, called Survival, Success, and Significance. And when you reach success, it means that you're able to meet all of your needs. God wants you to significance. What does that mean? That means when you begin to meet the needs of others. So what's going to happen in success? If Satan can get you to forget what helps you get to success, he can keep you from significance. So some of y'all right now, y'all got a lot. You've got a lot of money. You've got a lot of influence. You've got a lot of talent. You've got a lot of abilities. You've got a lot. Of, you've got a lot. Your leadership is on point but you're not significant yet. It's because you've got to stop thinking and focusing on yourself and start focusing on how God wants to use you to impact the kingdom. So here's what I'm going to tell you right now. Let me lovingly bring some grow up back to, to this message today. Grow up. Get your stuff together. Get your life together. Swallow your pride. Fear the Lord. And let's move on to significance. You are wasting precious time by living in your pride, move on. Okay, love y'all. As a result, he lost his way and spiraled into a pit of depression, pessimism, and cynicism. He made statements like this. Everything's boring, utterly boring. No one can find any meaning to it. History merely repeats itself. There's nothing new under the sun. What's wrong cannot be made right. Boy, howdy. What's missing cannot be recovered. I love a phrase from a... a Movie, I don't know where it came from, but I heard that movie. What we lost in the fire, we'll find in the ashes. The day you die is better than the day you were born. Anybody figure out who it is yet? Solomon. The good news is his story doesn't end, though, in the depths of depression and despondency. Um, He writes seven times in one form or another, remember your creator. The final statement in his despondent book is Ecclesiastes chapter 12, Verse 13, here now is my final conclusion. Fear God and obey his commands, for this is everyone's duty. What does duty here mean? It means all. It means everything. It means in totality, uh, holy. That's what it means, okay? So the prize virtue, that key that I talked about a minute ago that can unlock all those doors, it's none other than the fear of God. That's exactly what it is. So let's talk about fear for just a moment because fear is like, well, what do you mean fear God? For years, people have tried to eradicate it. You remember what FDR said? The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Okay, okay, man. Voices on all these platforms you see out there, I don't know how many self-help books there are, about how to overcome your fears, conquer your fears. There's even T-shirts that say no fear. There's even some back in the country that say ain't scared. Okay? If you're scared, say you're scared. But you know what? Not all fear is bad, though. Not all fear is bad, okay? So why is there this obsession with it, though? And I believe it, it's probably from us lumping all fears into one category that we consider as harmful. Things are harmful. But is this accurate? Well, first, it's important to acknowledge that there are indeed destructive fears, even, with, you know, even sensible fears, like impending doom. Um, the edge of the cliff, be afraid. Okay, um, what about people that actually want to harm you? You're just at the bank trying to transact. Somebody walks in with a gun. It's okay to be afraid, y'all. That's, that, that's, that's fear. Even people who go to war. It's not that they don't experience fear. It's just they have to process it and deal with it in order to get the job done. You know what I'm saying? Now, on the other hand, there are constructive fears that produce beneficial wisdom. 
For instance, snakes. How many of y'all like snakes? Nope rope is the accurate name. What kind of snake is this? Okay, see? Now, I've come to the conclusion that not all snakes are bad because I don't like rats either, and so rat snakes are good. And it's probably from my wife. The, what kind of snake is it? I don't care, Monique. It's a slithery one, slicky one. I don't like them. But, um, but here's what we've been teaching our kids since we've been doing a whole lot more camping. We've put ourselves in a situation where there's a whole lot more likelihood of our kids seeing copperheads, water moccasins, rattlesnakes, and coral snakes. Now, why did I name those four? Because they'll kill you, boy. They'll kill you is what will happen. Like, if they bite you, you could die. Okay, so it's important for, I mean, we went to a nature a, a preserve at Brazos Bend, and the first thing my wife asked our kids is, how do you know that that one's a water moccasin? Well, the little slit by its eyes, and she started naming off all these little things. Okay, it's important. Why can snakes can kill you? And what about, what about, what about failing? That can be a, that can be a constructive fear. How? Why? Well, think about it. It's good because it can help you identify issues before they actually happen before they become detrimental. This is something my dad and I used to butt heads about when I was a teenager. You see, when you're a teenager, you think your parents are dumb. Just to let you all teenagers know that. But here's what you learn. You are dumb. And your parents are smart. <laughs> okay? So I would tell my dad, I want to do something. I want to do this. I want to be this. I want to be that. You know, I want to be a gymnast. <laughs> well, boy, like, you ain't got the shape. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I could be the holder. Um, you need a big guy down there. So, um, but yeah, the base, all about that base. If you dare say no treble, I'm kicking you out. I'm kidding. So, but I would tell him what I wanted to do, and he would list off all the reasons why it, it, it would fail. Now, I took that as some extreme negativity. Like, come on, what a jerk, man. Like, come on, just like, encourage me. But he was in his way. You know why? Because he was telling me everything that would keep me from experiencing what I wanted to experience. But I had to look at it in a different way. So it can help you, but it also can hurt you because if you're so afraid of failing that you never take a step. You see what I'm saying? Okay, so let's keep moving on. The real question we should be asking is why, uh, what do we fear the most? <laughs> I don't mean spiders. Um, I seriously, I'm asking, what do you fear the most? What do you fear the most? It's a wise question, and, and if we answer it properly, it puts all of our other fears into perspective and enhances our lives but now in eternity. But most people don't see godly fear as what they fear the most. Most people don't. Now, thinking like this, what it does is it requires you to shift your mindset and your understanding from fear being something that can harm you to fear being something that can actually help you. Okay? And this is where we kind of get into the realm of propaganda. Like, propaganda is a big deal in the world today. Like, for instance, Russia. When I say Russia, what do you think? It's probably negative, huh? Because since the Cold War, we've been fed that big, bad, red Russia is going to kill us all. Okay? Some of y'all remember getting under your desks in school for, for nuclear war drills. By the way, how jacked up was that? It, the desk, is the desk going to save you from radiation? I must got lead in this desk. Like, no, that's not going to save you. You're dead, bro. What was it for? It was just to make you feel better about the inevitable. Putin may be bad. He may not be bad. I don't know. This isn't a political statement here. But what I'm telling you is that if you go talk to a normal Russian right now, right now they probably just want to live in peace and raise their family like you do. But propaganda has kept us from me being able to see the truth here. So what if the most important fear in your life wasn't something that would hurt you, but something that would actually help you? 
Holy fear's importance so vastly trumps all of the virtues that Scripture identifies it like this. Number one, Jesus' delight. In Isaiah 11.3, his delight is in the fear of the Lord. And this, is a, this one's wild, but Isaiah 33.6, the fear of the Lord is God's treasure. What? So stop and ponder this for a moment. Holy fear is God Almighty's delight and treasure. Now, Solomon didn't fully recognize all of this, this godly fear stuff, even when he taught it under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He didn't get it. You know, prior to the fall, godly fear wasn't his treasure or his delight, so it was very easy for him to draw away. In stumbling, experiencing folly, and finally recovering, that's when we see that he grasped the magnitude of the power of fearing God. Now, how many of you have had a revelation of who God is in the midst of your stumbling, in the midst of your problems, in the midst of your recovery? So some of y'all need to understand right now why bad things have happened to you. Yes, it was probably the devil that initiated it, but God used his mess to teach you something that was going to help you become everything you were created to be. So the bottom line, holy fear is God's treasure. Here's my question. Is it yours? Well, I still don't know what godly fear is, bro. Got you, fam. Let's talk about contrasting fears. The common counteractions toward fear. Now, Leaders often say the, the fear of the Lord only applies to Old Testament times. But as Christians, we've not been given a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. How many of you heard that before? We're told in the New Testament there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. But, but not only did the New Testament writers write these words, but they also wrote other statements like, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Beloved, let us cleanse our souls from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear. These are different Bible verses. This is New Testament Bible verses. Holy fear is simply a New Testament truth, just like it's an Old Testament truth. Okay? So don't confuse, though, the spirit of fear with fear of the Lord. Two majorly different things it's a huge difference and it's referenced in what i just talked about a few minutes ago about moses in the mountain look in exodus 19 3 and 4 thus you shall say to the house of jacob and tell the children of israel you have seen what i did to the egyptians and how i bore you on eagles wings and brought you to myself now the chief reason why god wanted to have those israelites come out of egypt was so that they could come and he could be gathered they could gather god could gather them to himself that was the point He longed for them. He wanted to meet with them in the wilderness so they could know him just like Moses did. Do y'all realize that? Like, What God was trying to do is the holy moment that Moses had at the burning bush was a small, miniaturized version of what God was wanting to do with the children of Israel in the wilderness. Think about it. You may have never seen it like this. A little burning bush and a little man. Millions of people and a giant mountain of flame. God was just trying to do with the Israelites what he did. And that's why Moses was so like, why are y'all so scared to death? But here's what happened. I think Moses forgot that the moment he saw the burning bush while his curiosity was piqued, his sandals were removed. He got on his knees and bowed before a holy God. I think maybe in the hustle and the bustle of getting millions of people to a mountain, he may have forgotten that you've got to approach God with holy fear and reverence. In terror, they cried out to Moses. This is Exodus 20. You speak with us and we will hear, but let not God speak with us 
lest we die. You see, they got to that mountain and God revealed himself, but the people responded by quickly retreating away. So God brought them to himself, but the children withdrew. Exodus twenty twenty. do not fear, for God has come to test you, that his fear may be before you, so that you may not sin. Read it. Do not fear, for God has come to test you, and that his, his fear may be before you, so that you may not sin. Well, is, is Moses contradicting himself? Is he talking out of both sides of his mouth? Do not fear, God has come to test you, that his fear may be before you. Moses is merely differentiating between being scared of God and the fear of God. It's a big difference. Now, here's the main difference. A person who is scared of God has something to hide. Yeah. Recall in the garden, Adam sinned. He and Eve hid from the presence of the Lord. Their reaction wasn't unique to them, but similar behavioral responses exist all throughout Scripture to those who had something to hide from God. So what's the contrast then? The person that fears God has nothing to hide. Nothing to hide. You see, Moses in that moment at the burning bush had nothing to hide from God. He was completely and totally exposed. Was it so with the Israelites at the mountain? The person who fears God doesn't say within themselves, how close can I get to the line of sin and not fall in? What she says is, I want to be so close to God and so far away from that line that I can't even see the line. Here's what I think happens in our lives. I think we love the line more than we love God. Because if we know where the line, oh, we know, it's wrong. We know the line more than we know God. That's what it is. Because what we're doing is we're banking on this notion that if we know the line well enough, we'll get in. So what that means is we don't really have to know him as long as we know where the line is. And let me tell you something. Everybody hear me right now. There's going to be a day when you stand before God and he's not going to ask, tell me about the line. He's going to say, did I know you? That's the difference. So if you right now are towing the line, thinking that all I've got to do is know this line, I'm telling you right now, you're probably going to miss God hand over fist. You're going to miss him. So what's that mean? I got to sell everything I got and go live in a monastery somewhere? If that's what God tells you to do, yeah, maybe, but probably not. He, he might not be concerned with your doing. He might be concerned with your being. He might just want to know you. And we'll get to what you can do later. Hear that. That's a word for somebody here today. God is so much more concerned with what you are, who you are, than what you're doing. Because honestly, most people don't have a whole lot to show God that's good. We ain't got a whole lot in our hands that's worth saying, hey, God, look at this. God, look at what I made. It's like when your kid comes to you, four years old, makes a little heart. It looks like Helen Keller made it in a snowstorm. But you, you, you act like... Yes, I love it so much, baby. It's so cute. I'm going to hang it on the wall. I've got posters. I've got pictures hanging on my wall in my office right now. I love these kids. This ain't Picasso, but I have them in my office. You know why? Because my little kids made it for me. But what's sad is that we are working so hard to show God what we can do. He could care less about that mess. He wants to know who you are. So what is my encouragement for you today? Get away from the line and get close to him. Yeah. Oh, I got too much mess. I don't know how to do that. Just get close. Like, for, okay, you don't know what to do? Tell somebody today. Let's see how brave you are. Let's see how much you got it together. How tough a guy you are. Tell somebody today what you're struggling with. Okay. 
If you don't, here's the only thing it means. It means two things. It means, number one, either you think you can still fix this on your own, which is a lie, because if you could, you'd already fixed it. Um, or number two, you're not really ready to get over it. Holy fear is not to be scared of and thereby withdraw from God. It's to be terrified to be away from him. This is what hit me in February. This is what cut me to the core is I realized I wasn't scared of being away from him. You know why? Because my whole life I've had it drilled in me. God will never leave you, never forsake me. Never forsake you. That's the truth. He's always, he's omnipresent. He's with, how many of you know that you can be near somebody and not know them a lick? I know people who are married and don't even know each other. Spent their whole lives raising kids, and now their kids are out. They don't have a clue who's sitting across the table from them. Psalm 25, 14, the Lord is a friend of those who fear him. The firm reality is this, that God wants to be close and intimate with you. Holy fear does not quench intimacy. It does just the opposite. It enhances that interaction with God. So here's what holy fear is defined. It is impossible, really, to do this with a single statement, okay? So let me give you some of these, what the what fear of the Lord means here. Some say the fear of the Lord only means to reverently worship God. Now, you may have heard that spoken before, but um, we could also think of it like this. Uh, if we just define God as love, well, that's, yeah, he is love, but that's only a small subset of who he is, okay? So we, we can't just look at Hebrew, verse, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 and say, okay, this is what love is, so this is all God is. God is so much more than that. So if we're hunting for a definition, let's look in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28, 29. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for God is a consuming fire. Okay, you see in here, reverence and godly fear. It's not just reverence, because if it was just reverence, we wouldn't see the godly fear part of it. So it's got to be both, okay? Reverence is an excellent translation, actually, of that first word. It's profound, adoring, awed respect. So what we see here is that godly fear carries with it the meaning of awe. You look in Webster's, Awe is fear, dread, inspired by something great and terrific. To strike with fear and reverence. To influence by fear, terror, or respect. Now, don't be wigged out when you see the words dread and terror. God's not a terrorist, I promise. God's holy fear does have a drawing effect, though not a repulsing effect. So, let's begin to rattle off some definitions. To fear God is to reverence and be in complete awe of Him. To fear God is to esteem, respect, honor, venerate, and adore Him above anyone or anything else. We love what He loves. We hate what He hates. John Bevere said this, and it really cut me to the core. He said, yes, I know you love righteousness, but do you hate lawlessness and sin? Yeah, I hate lawlessness and sin. Hold on. Wait just a minute. Wait just a moment. How many of you had somebody cut you off in traffic and you mentally, you didn't say it out loud, but you mentally said something? How many of you lingered a little bit too long on that one social media post? How many of you justified an addiction in your life 
saying you need it, which is really to say that you need it more than you need God. Let me just ask you a question. Have you sinned this week? Have you messed up this week? Have you said something to somebody or thought something? Jesus even said, if you think it. I, I, I have a book out here called uh, Free. It's about winning the war against sexual morality. And I make a statement that the first look is free. And here's why. Because you can't help but walks across your path. It's the second look that gets you. How many of you out here have had a second look this week? So then let me ask you again. I know you love righteousness, but do you really hate sin? Do you really hate lawlessness like he does? Because to fear him means to hate it as much as he hates it. What's important to him becomes important to us and vice versa. Okay, let me put this into context. That jerk of a coworker. You can't stand them. I mean, they make fun of you just because you bow your head and pray a little for your lunch. They're always, they're always saying and doing stuff around you because they specifically know you're a Christian. Do you love them as much as God does? It's okay, everybody, let's say, we'll all sit together. One, two, three, no. Ready? One, two, three, no. Fear of God is not going... <gasps> Fear of God is realizing deep down in your core that you really don't love everything he loves. And you, hey my goodness, the person that we probably get the most mad at, besides our kids, maybe our kids, but because the kids can push a button, but your spouse, how could I ever look at my wife with anything other than the love that God looks at her with? If I don't, does it mean I'm human? Not maybe. But you know what it means? It means that I don't fear the Lord like I need to. Because if I really feared him, I would reverence and honor what he reverences and honors. To fear God is to hate all manner of evil and sin and injustice. To fear God is to depart from evil in every sense, thought, word, and action. How many of you have laid down the thing that you know God wants you to lay down? The act of laying it down is the process of fearing God. We don't see it like that, do we? Because all we think of is, ah! we think of when the angel appears and you're like, ah! like every Bible character ever that saw an angel. <laughs> Walking through New Covenant Church at 11 o'clock one night years ago, and I walk in and there's a little wall right before you get into the main sanctuary and it opens up and it's just pitch black with these little red dots from all the lights and all that stuff. And I walk in and I stopped and I go, Jesus, if you're going to appear to me, it better not be now. Because I don't want to, I don't want people to find me dead like this. <laughs> to fear God is to give him all that belongs to him. Let me talk to you parents who, who like your kid is your whole entire life. They're not your kids. They're his kids. You are just here to manage their lives until they can choose him for themselves. So even 
you know, I'm going to the NIH tomorrow with Goose. And I know I talk about this a lot, but this is something I struggle with a lot. I want my kid healed. I mean, I just want her healed. And Monique and I have had conversations about whether God's going to do this or not, or this is something that's going to be a part of her testimony for the rest of her life. I don't know. I just, but I'll tell you right now, I would trade in a heartbeat, cut my heart out, just to see her healed. But you know what? Here's the fear of the Lord is wanting what he wants from my daughter more than I want from my daughter. That's the process of me fearing my creator. Of not wanting to usurp his will for his kid. That's a lot, y'all. To fear God is to tremble before him in wonder and awe. To give his word and presence our full attention. To fear God is to obey him. It's not just a desire, but an inward force that, that determines that we're going to carry out his will no matter the cost. We eagerly and willingly and immediately obey, even if we don't see a benefit or if it doesn't make sense, if we carry it out, whether we carry it out to completion or not. I think sometimes we get so wrapped up in did I hear him that we just didn't do what he told us to do. You can talk yourselves out of what God said by questioning whether or not I heard him or not. Let me tell you something right now. If God puts something inside of you, if you hear a thought in your head and it's something that, that can build the kingdom, it ain't the devil. Hey, I want you to give an extra 30 bucks to that waitress. Does the devil want to bless people? Hey, you know, you should give them. No. I had to hiss in there. You see the little hiss? God's fear is to shun any form of complaining and murmuring and grumbling. So when you hear that gossip start running their mouth, you say, hey, mm -mm. if they're not in here, I'm not going to listen to this. To fear God is to respect and honor and submit to his direct and delegated authority. <laughs> yeah, preacher, you're going to put that one in there, ain't you? I didn't write that part of this message, by the way. John Bevere gave us his notes. We've tweaked the notes to fit our specific scenario, so y'all can talk to John about that one. But fear also obeys the delegated authority, with the only exception being if that authority tells us to do something that's sinful. The fear of the Lord shapes our intentions, thoughts, words, and actions. Now, keep in mind that everything I just mentioned and listed is attainable and beneficial for you. It's God's treasured gift that he's made available to us to protect us. So Tony's going to come and play. And while he does, I'm going to read off just a few of the benefits of you walking in holy fear. Fear of the Lord is the starting place for an intimate relationship with God. We become his friends and his secrets are made known to us. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. It gives foresight and clear divine direction. The fear of the Lord is how we mature our salvation and are conformed to the image of Jesus. The fear of the Lord is clean and it produces true holiness in our lives. These are Bible verses, by the way, straight from the word. The, uh, to abide in the fear of the Lord is to secure an eternal legacy. The fear of the Lord produces confidence, fearlessness and security. It swallows up all other fears, including the fear of man. The fear of the Lord gives us identity and makes us productive and empowers us to multiply. 
The fear of the Lord provides angelic assistance, fulfilled desires, enduring successes, nobility, influence, longevity, productive days, enjoyment in life, happiness, pleasure in labor, healing for our body, and so much more. The fear of the Lord endures forever, and it will never fade out. Now, wait a minute. That preacher is a prosperity preacher. This is the Word of God. I'm just reading Bible verses that are written in sentences. I'm not saying, <laughs> if you give me a hundred, you're going to give me a thousand. But here's what I am saying. If you will do what the Bible says and fear the Lord like you're supposed to, you'll get the benefits of what happens when you fear the Lord. Why? Because if you sow it, you're going to reap it. I put corn in the ground, I get corn out of the ground. It's sowing and reaping. Okay, well, I want all this stuff you just, I want all those benefits. Awesome. Here's what you do. I'm going to post this, these definitions on our social media this week. They're in your YouVersion app right now. If you open your YouVersion app, click on events, click Freedom Church, you'll see these notes. You can save it and go back and reference this. If you want to know how to fear the Lord, I just read you the list. I just read you the list of things to do to fear the Lord. Let me give you a really good head start into it. Hate evil as much as you love righteousness. Start there. Holy fear is not to be scared of and thereby withdraw from God. It's to be terrified of being away from Him. Do you fear God? Are, are you more afraid of being without God than anything else? I've heard of people losing loved ones and I've always had the same question. How do they go through that without Jesus? How do you endure without Him? How do you endure when you have a loss? You know, grief isn't always death. Grief is losing something. How do you do it without Jesus? Oh, we just learned to cope. I want to cope. I don't want to cope. I want to overcome. Let me ask you one more question. I said, do you fear God? Or are you more afraid of being away from him than anything else? Here's the last question. Is what you're doing evidence of that? Because listen, if what you're doing isn't evidence that you're more afraid of being away from him than anything, you don't fear God. I mean, if I brought a chicken up here and all it did was quack and want to swim, you wouldn't call it a chicken, would you? <laughs> Some of you might just mess with me. So let me tell you, if, if you say you fear God, but you're not living in any of the benefits, my question is, are you a duck? Okay? This is a lot today. It's a lot. So here's what I want to do. I want you to take a moment and pray. I'd ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And the only reason I ask you to do that ever is just so you can focus on you and the Lord right now and forget the distractions around you. There's so many distractions. But this is an opportunity to focus on Him. I want you to ask yourself point blank. Do I fear God? And then here's what I want you to think. I want you to think of your last week. And I want you to imagine moments in this last week where you interacted with other people. Is your interaction with that other person evidence that you fear God? Come on, that's rubber meets the road, y'all. So... Here's what we ask, Father. We are, we are a bunch of Israelites at the base of a mountain right now, and we're looking up and we're terrified. God, I think a lot of us have been terrified 
of what you'll do to us based on our sin. But God, we want to shift our fear from something that harms us to something that can help us. We want to embrace the holy fear of God right now. So God, I ask you in the name of Jesus for every person that has made that ask right now, that they've asked, God, I want to embrace your holy fear. If you want to, just make that ask to him right now. You don't have to do it out loud. Just in your heart and your spirit, make that ask. Now, if you have, God, I pray that you would empower them to do the things that represent the fact that they are living in the fear of God. God, that that list of things, hating evil as much as they love justice, loving what you love and hating what you hate, God, that they would embrace those things, walk those things out this week. And God, whenever they violated those things, God, that you wouldn't throw a hammer down at them, that you wouldn't condemn them because you never do, but God, that you would gently convict us in our spirit to let us know, hey, this is an opportunity where you can fear me more. We pray that you do it in Jesus' name. Amen. At Freedom, we want to help you have authentic relationships with God and His people, to have real experiences with the Holy Spirit, and to find lasting freedom. If the Holy Spirit speaks to you through this message, or if you want to make a decision for Jesus, please reach out at freedomdl.com connect. For more info on Freedom, including service times and location, visit freedomdl.com. Thanks for listening.